Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the BitCast. It's me again, the Axeman, Alex, joined by... Henry the Henry. Okay, I guess that's going to be like a Simpsons thing where you just kind of find a new one every time, aren't you? (laughs) Well, we're going to talk about Smash Brothers together like I long hinted at or promised or whatever. I talked about it at the end of my Smash Brothers for Switch episode. I said that I'd probably get Henry in to talk about Smash Brothers at one point because this is a series that we've talked about at length, much like Fire Emblem, much like Zelda, much like we've talked about Undertale at length together. So we're going to talk about Smash Brothers. We're going to have two different episodes about this. This is going to be kind of more of a retrospective episode, but in the future there will be an episode where we just kind of talk about, you know, what we want to see in the next one, the hype and all that. So, Smash Brothers retrospective. Henry, why don't you start with your history with the series? I played it release year, kept renting it from the nearest Blockbuster back when those were still a thing, and I loved it. Very simplistic game, but very fun, especially with friends. I actually ended up getting Melee the release year, and I have played the ever-loving crap out of that one. Then I got Brawl actually on spring break in 2008 when I was in college. And then Smash 4 I got for 3DS on release day. Okay. I don't have the one for Wii U. Alright, I'm in a similar position where I rented the original Smash Brothers game. For me, though, it was from Crown Video, but mm. we played it, and I had a bit of a misunderstanding of how the game was. I thought it would have a lot more characters than it did. I was like, I want to play as Mumbo from Banjo. <laughs> <laughs> or, I want to play as Squirtle. But, and then they actually added Squirtle and Brawl, so I remembered that, and I felt like, yes! But, Childhood dream came true. Yes. This was a very eye-opening game for me because this was the first exposure I ever had to Star Fox and Metroid. I really just knew who like the Mario characters and Pikachu were. I knew Kirby from Kirby's Avalanche, but I didn't really know anything about Kirby, so seeing all his abilities was weird. That was a game to bring up, Kirby's Avalanche. I already knew most of them. Like I knew Donkey Kong, I knew Mario, Zelda again... Um, the one I didn't know, there were three of them. One was Samus, Metroid. So this was your first exposure to Metroid. Before I played Metroid Prime later, yes. Oh, Metroid's your favorite now, isn't it? Oh, used to be. I went through a phase where Metroid was my favorite, but then Zelda took the spot again. Okay, well, it's generally up there in the rotation, though. Yeah, it's generally considered... I generally really enjoy Metroid. Um, this is my first exposure to Captain Falcon, and his really, really narcissistic moveset. Yeah. And this was also my first exposure to NES, which I later would play Earthbound a little bit for the Super Nintendo, and then I played a little bit more of it on emulator when I was in Afghanistan. Right. Super Smash Bros. Melee, I remember, I didn't get it for a little while after its release, but I did get it on my 10th birthday, and because I wasn't really intimate with the first game, this was my first exposure to Captain Falcon and NES. I can see that. They were actually starting characters there rather than being unlockables. Yeah. And there were the Ice Climbers, who I didn't know about. I've heard of them because I used to take karate lessons, and I was talking about Smash Brothers while we were like in the back room getting ready for classes. So I was like, oh man, the Ice Climbers are in this game. I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And I knew Mewtwo would be in the game because he was in a Toys R Us demo. Right. Melee, for me, was just kind of a natural progression. 
I grew up a rather lonely child, and yet somehow I also put more hours into Melee than any living man, woman, or child should. Before I talk about my hours with the game, I feel like we should give a special shout-out to Marth and Roy. Oh, uh, for being fire, the first Fire Emblem characters here in the States. Yeah, it's like, they now now look where we are. We have Fire Emblem on our phones. Yeah, we do. We, like, those podcast episodes where I brought you in to talk about Fire Emblem are all possible because of those guys. Because of Me- Smash Brothers Melee. But yeah, yeah, I've played a lot of Melee with uh, my dad and my brother. This was back when my dad still played video games with us. Right, I was, my mom, this is after my parents divorced, my mom never could play video games very well, so it was mostly a me thing. I remember we, we did a lot of the event matches, and we kind of tagged in and out every time we died or we cleared one. Some of them were really difficult. Uh... <sighs> Event match 51, never forget. Never even got that far. <laughs> that was the one where you fought Giga Bowser, Mewtwo, and Ganondorf all at the same time, and you needed to be it to unlock Final Destination. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. That... And the sound test. Yeah. Back, back when those were actually uh, actually important. You'll notice that now Final Destination and the sound test are default features. If they even have a sound test, considering the YouTube's ubiquitous now. Well, they do, but it's just, you know... Because the sound test is also just to let you listen to sound effects and stuff. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway. But, yeah, Melee really introduced a lot of things that became standard in the series. Mm-hmm. The side B attack for as an example. Yeah. It introduced the all-star mode, which mm-hmm. has you fight every single character. I like what they did with it in 4, actually. But we'll get to that later. Okay. It really set a lot of groundwork for the rest of the series to come, because the first game was very low budget. It was like the kind of thing Sakurai did a little on his own until people noticed it and kind of liked it. This was the first game to have more of a budget. You can definitely tell the change in budget between the original 64 version, which looks like it could have been done on the Super Nintendo, versus... I was May- 3D, so, you know... They did 3D in the Super Nintendo. Yeah, but it was, like, really, like, imported models, you could tell, from, like, Mario 64 and stuff. Right, versus this, which was much bigger budget, also had a much different soundtrack. It was more orchestrated. Yeah, a synthetic orchestra, but still. Right, more orchestrated soundtrack. The character models were a lot were a lot smoother, cleaner, yeah. that sort of thing. It was a little rushed, though. Like, the game... Had a bit of a rush. That's why there's like a lot of missing stages, and a lot of the clones are a little more obvious than they were in future games. There were supposed to be some third party characters, but they couldn't get them in time. Yeah, like you always hear of the characters who couldn't quite make the cut. Right. This is. Oh, Melee's also the only game to actually have a character that has not reappeared in any Smash Brothers game. Well, it's one of two. It had Pichu. Well, I mean, technically now there's Snake and Brawl. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's okay. the other one. I believe Satoru Iwata actually did a lot of quick programming to kind of make the game more playable because they were running out of time, and he was just, like, pushing it out there with all his programming because he was really good at that kind of thing. He did the similar thing for the second generation of Pokemon. That's, that's, that's why uh, Kanto was actually in it. Originally, it was just going to be Johto. The Iwata came in, cracked his knuckles, and said, watch this. <laughs> yeah, only more humble than that, but... Yeah, he was really responsible for a lot of the good in Melee. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, let, let's get this out of the way. Sakurai does an amazing job for all the gripes we could ever have, and he's not the only one working on the game either. He's got like this entire team with him, and they all do a lot of hard work. But I'm just putting a spotlight on Iwata, because... May he rest in peace. Uh, yeah.
But yeah, Melee, very popular game to this day. It's the favorite of a lot of fans of the series. It's also why there are only two Smash Brothers games at Evo, the other one being Smash 4. Right. So next was Brawl. Brawl was the one for the Wii, and I got this one spring break of 2008, actually. I, I think that's when it came out, actually. Yeah, I actually will admit that I, while I don't like this game as much as Melee, I still think it's a fine game in its own right. I remember I got it on the release date. Didn't think I would, but my parents surprised me with it after church one day. We were driving home, and it was just like, Hey, Alex, check in the compartment that's behind the driver's seat, because we were in the van that had that. So I looked, and it was like, Oh, it's the Wii! It's Super Smash Brothers! Well, it's not the Wii, but... Oh, it's Super Smash Brothers Brawl! My brother and I were so hyped that we did Subspace Emissary for the rest of the afternoon until bed. I actually did Subspace Emissary on my own, and I took my time with it. Well, you know, you got... One 14-year-old kid and his little brother. We're going to blast through the whole game if we can help it. Yeah, you were 14 and you had your little brother. I was in college by then. Yeah. Got to keep in mind that I am actually somewhat significantly older than Alex here. Yeah, we've got a bit of an age difference going on. So our view of the gaming landscape at the different eras is a little different. Right. But yeah, Brawl, it's a fine game in its own right. I will not say that it's my, I will not say it's bad. I will just say it's not my favorite. I do think that it gets a bit of a bad rap. I do see the flaws that people point out with it, like tripping. That was never a good idea. Why, well, why is tripping a thing? And I get that Sakurai appreciates the kind of calamity of games like Mario Party and Mario Kart, where anything can happen, it's anyone's game, but a fighting game generally doesn't attract that kind of crowd, so... No, it generally attracts your more serious-minded folk. Yeah. Of course, Smash Brothers has never been all that competitive yeah, in I the think, first place. I think it was kind of a fluke that Melee caught on the way it did. But I feel like they probably could have capitalized on that a little bit better. They shouldn't have tried to make Brawl as chaotic as it did. But I still enjoyed it, and it did kind of set the tone for the fourth game. It really added a lot of features and really emphasized the fact that it's a collection of all the things Nintendo's done past, present, and future. It's essentially a Nintendo museum in fighting game form. Yeah. Uh, Smash 4, he already mentioned this, and I know it's technically called Super Smash Brothers for the 3DS or Super Smash Brothers for the Wii U, but I just call it Smash 4. Yeah, it's, it's just easier to say. Yeah. They were both released the same year, but not at the same time. Yeah, 3DS was in October. And then I think December was the Wii U. It was November, actually. November, okay. You yeah. were actually there with me. We went to the midnight release of that game because we were also picking up Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. Because I, I was getting Omega Ruby at the time. I was also getting that one. But yeah, I was getting Omega Ruby. He also picked up uh, Smash Brothers for the Wii U. And I remember, I can remember that minute release because I was just sitting there. I'm just like, hey, you want to play some Smash? Football with the 3DS, we just started playing. I don't think I was playing with you at the time. Not you, but other people around me. I'm just like, you want to play some Smash? Flip open. Oh yeah, those lines are good socialization opportunities. Oh, they really are. But yeah, Smash 4, in my opinion, is the most balanced Smash game. Hmm. Now, I said most balanced. I didn't say it was balanced. Yeah. They t they tightened the controls. The physics are more are a combination of melees and brawls, and there's no tripping. Yeah. They definitely tried to meet a happy middle point between the chaos of brawl and the technicalities of melee. And I think they did a pretty good job. It's still chaotic. It's still fun. They also added in, like, the Omega forms, where you can actually play more serious if you wanted to, and that's great for your competitive crowd. Yeah, the Omega forms are 
flat Final Destination versions of every stage so you don't have to deal with the hazards. It's not a perfect solution, but it shows that they are aware of the complaints. They're aware that there is a competitive crowd, and Sakurai never intended for this to be a competitive game, but he's taken a step back and said, Okay. Yeah, he's, he's, he's worked very hard on the game. He's kind of put his physical well-being on the line. Yeah, I heard about that. that he literally that he literally got sick while making yeah, this. He, he hurt his arm. He'd sleep at work a lot, though I've heard that's kind of normal for him anyway. But... Yeah, they did a lot, and it shows because it's a very jam-packed game, and that's even before all the DLC. This wasn't the first Nintendo game to have DLC. That's Fire Emblem Awakening, but this was the first Smash game. Not only have online multi... Well, no, I'm sorry. Brawl had online multiplayer, but it was very janky. This was the first Smash Brothers that had decent online multiplayer. Decent. And it was also the first one to have DLC. Yeah, it was. It had a good amount of returning characters and a lot of new characters... So, getting left out of Smash Brothers is no longer the death sentence that it once was. Because yeah, because you can be brought back in via DLC. Oh yeah, like, when they announced Mewtwo, I had a spring in my step when I left the I library was, that day. I was actually pretty excited for Mewtwo as well, and I knew people were very excited to have Mewtwo coming back to Smash. Uh, you like how Etika had, like, a heart attack over it? Like, he has a heart attack over everything? Oh god. You like how I just, like, subtly jab different YouTubers? Yeah. Or not so subtly. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, 4 is, in my opinion, the best competitive Smash game. Is it my favorite? It's up there with Melee, but... Hmm. I think people would still say that Melee is better in the competitive aspect, but I do like 4 the most. I feel like each uh, game kind of builds on the last the one. The only reason people like Melee more is because you can exploit it. You can't exploit 4 as much. Well, that's not an invalid reason, because that just means that that allows for, you know, more customized play. It is true, but everybody knows how to wave dash in Melee, and that is kind of cheating. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, that was obnoxious fake crying. That, it was very obnoxious. I might cut that out. Guess again. Anyway, Smash 4, I do like that before Bayonetta and sometimes Cloud kind of wrecked everything, it was, a, it was a lot better balanced than Brawl's roster was. Not perfectly balanced, like you said, but everyone was at least usable. I still say that it's still pretty well balanced, even with Cloud and Bayonetta in there, because almost every online game I've seen with someone playing Bayonetta, nobody knows how to use her properly. <laughs> well, I guess there's that. Yeah, the thing is, Bayonetta is really good to use, but she's hard to learn. Yeah, you kind of got to play her like Bayonetta, you know? You got you to play her like you're playing a Bayonetta game. She's combo-based. Yeah. Which is, in a game like Smash Brothers, is not the easiest thing to do. In Ryu's case, it's really interesting because they keep a lot of his combos from Street Fighter 2, so you can pull those off if you're familiar with Ryu from that game. That makes him one of the more complex characters in Smash Brothers because you can either do the normal side B attack or you can use the the full diag um, circle half circle motion to be for a stronger form. Yeah, and he's like one of the only characters in Smash Brothers to have something like that happen. So he's more complex. But at the same time, if you put him in Street Fighter, he's one of the simplest characters, so it's really kind of funny how Street Fighter translates. It is kind of hilarious when you think about it. Also, yes, you can Hulu can spam with Ryu in Smash Brothers. Oh yeah, you can. You, you can just spam a lot of people in Smash Brothers. It's not very effective, however. Yeah, you get some move degradation based on the game and the mode you're in. But anyway, what are some different characters you've liked playing as throughout the series? My main was Samus for the longest time back in Melee, and I even used her in Brawl. Yeah? 
Uh, more recently, though, I actually really enjoy Robin. Hmm. Now, probably not my best character, but I enjoy Robin's mix-up game. Alright, Robin is very good moveset, especially compared to the other Fire Emblem characters. Which usually have the same format. Strong B move, up B. Uh, side B usually tends to be different, and then a counter move. Yeah, a lot more counters in the movesets in the fourth game. Yeah, Marth, Roy, Lucina, Ike so, all have counter moves. Oh, yeah, I think I don't think Corrin does. Uh, I think they do. Lucario has one. Mac has one. Greninja, Greninja has one. one. Shulk has one. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of counter moves in this game, which can be very, very hard to fight against. Yeah. And but, also very irritating. So Samus, Robin, anyone else you kind of gravitated towards in the past? Another Smash 4 one that I actually really enjoyed was Duck Hunt. Mm. The freaking Duck Hunt dog is one of, is my second main. Well, he's he's really effective character. He's good at keeping people away, and he's another good mix-up character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if we we're going to go back a little further, Ike. 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 I liked using him in Brawl, and I liked using him in Smash Four. Okay. He's he's always one of my go-to's simply because he is a heavy hitter and he's rather simple. Right. But he also actually has a nice ding. Yes. He actually has a very, very solid moveset. You don't want to use Ether so much. Mm. If you want to try to recover from the side, you actually want to use Quick Dash. Oh, is it because the Ether is a little predictable? No, it's because Ether has no horizontal movement. You want to use Quick Dash to dash over on the side. You can do it in the air. Oh, that's interesting. Usually I just kind of rely on the regular jumps for my horizontals if the up B is too vertical focused. Right, but in this case, Ike has a side B where he can easily use that to recover. I've never thought of it like that, but that kind of shows that I'm not I'm not as deep in the gameplay as other people are. To be entirely fair, I kind of found I kind of found out just by watching other people. Man, what am I doing with a gaming podcast if I don't play half the games and I I only play on like surface level for the others? <laughs> yeah, everyone's different, man. Uh, what other what characters have you enjoyed using in Smash Brothers? Well, let's see. During the first game, I only rented it, so I didn't get a lot of time with it, so I just kind of gravitated towards Mario and Link because I recognized them. Yeah, same here. In Melee, I really liked Dr. Mario. Actually, that's kind of a funny story because Dr. Mario wasn't programmed correctly. He actually had the same speed as Mario, but had a little bit more power. Yeah, they accidentally made him better than Mario in just about every way, but they kind of tweaked that in the fourth game. In the fourth one, they actually got it properly right. He's supposed to be slower in his jump. He doesn't jump as high. But he hits harder. Right. I like Dr. Mario. I also liked Mr. Game & Watch. That's been one of your mains, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, he's generally one that I go back to. Game & Watch was actually introduced in Melee, though technically Game & Watch himself was introduced in 1980. Uh, yeah, he's the oldest Nintendo character, and he wasn't even a proper character until Melee. Yeah, exactly, which is kind of hilarious. But yeah, I kind of kind of like the weird characters. Um, yeah. And Brawl... I liked Mr. Game & Watch again. No, I'm seeing a theme here. Yeah. I used Toon Link a lot. Toon Link was the replacement for Young Link? Yeah. And it works. Yeah, I, I liked how they kind of were faithful to his art style, and I just liked the fact that I really recognized him from Wind Waker, because I was... Around Brawl was a time I was better able to recognize most of the characters. I did miss Young Link's five-second-long milk-drinking taunt, though. Oh, yeah, that was fun. Uh, other than Toon Link, I later on I started using Captain Falcon more, even though he was considered to be one of the worst characters in the game. Mostly because a lot of his moves have huge wind-up, or they're very easy to predict. Yeah, but you know, I just I just can't help myself. I gotta have a good Falcon Punch! 
you know? That destroys galaxies, according to the anime. Well, fun fact, that was actually because there was, like, a bomb going off at the same time. But, you know, it's more fun to say that the punch did it. Yeah. Then in the fourth game, it gets a little murky over who I mained and stuff. That's the, because Smash 4 is really balanced, like I, like I said earlier. I find myself just generally using different characters every time I play the game, just for the fun of it. Just kind of rotating out. Yeah, if, if I had to kind of pick a few, in the early days, I used a lot of Greninja. I used Shulk a lot. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't. I still haven't been able to pin down Shulk's playstyle. You have to use his standard bead to kind of adjust his stats to keep in mind what you want to do and what you'll lose in return. Yeah, that's the problem. I, I, yeah, I don't think like that in the fighting game. Oh, yeah. Well, it's definitely a, a bit more thought-oriented. And other than Greninja and Shulk, I liked using Lucina a lot because I liked the Marth moveset. I liked Lucina as a character, so... Hey. And the fact that her blade does equal damage rather than being at the tip also helps a lot. Probably yeah. makes her a little easier to use. Yeah. As the game went on, I think, you know, Dr. Mario, I, I used him a little less than I used to, but I tried to use him more. Same for Toon Link. Game & Watch always kind of came and went. Yeah. Uh, another one that I actually enjoy using, uh, Wario. Wario, really? I actually, uh, again, kind of a screwball character. I've used every character in Smash at least once. Oh, yeah. Fair, but I kind of like gravitating towards the screwball characters. Okay. Uh, Samus kind of fits in that category, too, because of the way I actually play her. She's a distance character, but I play her like a close-range fighter. Other than Lucas and Bayonetta... Like, I've spent a lot of time with all the DLC characters. Mewtwo was one I always enjoyed in Melee, even though he wasn't very good. Yeah, because, like, Mewtwo was Mewtwo. I gotta play as Mewtwo. Exactly! His grabs are incredibly powerful, too. And Roy, I missed playing as Roy, and he's really solid. Yeah, Roy's our boy. Yeah. Which they actually brought back in Fire Emblem Heroes. <laughs> Ryu, I mean... Ryu is fun. I like him. Yeah. Cloud, I actually do like... I do enjoy using Cloud a lot. Yeah, despite the gripes with Cloud, I mean... It's Cloud. I gotta play as Cloud. The only one I don't like of the DLC characters is Corrin. Really? Because that was the one I was about to say I do like a lot. I, I just couldn't get a hang of the of the fighting style. Well, yeah, Corrin is definitely more... Despite coming in with a sword like a lot of the other Fire Emblem guys, they have a more unique moveset than the rest of them do. Because of the dragon transformation. yeah. They, they really play up the dragon stuff more than they do in Fire Emblem Fates. But, yeah, it's, it's a really fun moveset, and I like them. And then there's kind of the brownie points, because for all its warts, Fates kind of has a weird spot in my heart, so... Yeah, same here. So Corrin's kind of worked their way in. Bayonetta is fun, but hard to use, as I stated earlier. Mm. So you have to play her like you're playing a Bayonetta game, which is very combo-heavy. Yeah, I like to think I got okay at using Bayonetta, but... Yeah, like, my mains have become a lot less defined with the new game because I just have fun with a lot of the characters. I actually really enjoyed using Pac-Man. Well, Pac-Man's fun. Like, I like to use... I think, like, Palutena is possibly the only one I wasn't really fond of using. And even then, if you play her casual, you can just adjust her moveset. Yeah. She was put in the game specifically to show off the adjusting moveset capabilities of the game. I don't know if that's why she was put in. She was also put in because, you know, she was central to Kid Icarus Uprising and stuff like that. But Not fair, but I, I she she was used as a demonstration of that. She kind of was, and she's a lot more unique about it than the other characters are. Oh, that's fair, because she can literally just change entire moves, whereas most of the other characters, in fact, almost all the other characters, just kind of change 
what the moves do. Yeah, they just get like minor variations. And then the DLC characters don't even get that. Yeah, I know. I think that kind of suggests that they realized this wasn't their best idea. Yeah, so they kind of just dropped it. Which I'm okay with that. But Yeah, we've had a lot of good characters over the course of the series. Uh, we've also had some that are rather weird, like... Pichu never came back from Melee. Oh yeah, Pichu was a joke, basically. But, but that was meant to be a joke character. A snake never came back from Brawl. Yeah, there's some like you know behind the scenes politics for Snake. Yeah, well originally actually with Snake he was supposed to be in Melee, but uh, Kojima approached Sakurai too late into the development to put him in, yeah. so they put him in Brawl instead. That's yeah. also why the Twin Snakes is on the GameCube. Is that why it was on? Because at the time, Nintendo's policy for Smash Brothers characters, if it's third party, they had to be on a Nintendo console. Oh, I thought they just... Well, I mean, I'd have to look into that a bit more. That's also the reason they put Sonic games on Nintendo consoles was to get him into... Well, that and people wanted him in. Yeah, I think you're giving a little too much credit to Smash Brothers here. Fair enough. People really wanted... If there were any... If there was any third party that everybody wanted in the game more than Cloud or Mega Man who eventually made it in it was Sonic I didn't actually want Sonic that badly but Brawl gave us Sonic yeah he was one of two of the third party characters that was in Brawl and he brought he was brought back directly for Smash 4 yeah also can I just say that the final, his final Smash in Brawl was broken uh I had a little trouble controlling it but other than the characters they've really had a lot of good stages to kind of represent the series at first you know it was kind of more like pastiche stages like just to get the idea of the series but as they've gone on they've done a lot more specific locations and moments right specific locations and moments like smash 4 actually has a nice earthbound stage that i absolutely love yeah it's magicant from the original earthbound zero was that from Earthbound Zero? I thought it was in... Um... What's well, the version of it from that one? Okay. Because I know you can actually... This is how far technology's come, too. You can actually see Earthbound. You can see that being played in the background while you're fighting. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is really cool. It also shows just how far gaming technology has come. They, they, they got a little lazy with the stages, in my opinion, though. In 4 or in general? In 4. Well, they brought back a lot. Like They brought back, they brought back some of the um, ones from Melee and Brawl. Yeah, they did. That's kind of part of the problem, though, is they brought... They brought some back from 64, which you hadn't seen since Melee. Yeah, or the original, and, you know, that's cool. Those are good stages, but I'm saying that all the ported stages, like, that takes up a chunk of the stages, and it also means that, you know, you don't get new stages for people. Like, in the Wii U version, Onette from Melee, that's Mm -hmm. the only Earthbound stage in the Smash Brothers Wii U. Magicant is in the 3DS version only. Yeah, and similar for F-Zero, their only new stage is a kind of lazy 8-bit version of Mute... Well, 16-bit version of Mute City on the 3DS version. For the Wii U, you just play on Port Town from Brawl again. Oh, good. I, can I just say that Big Blue from Melee can go die in a fire? I liked Big Blue. I'm not a fan of the scrolling stages. What's not... Well, let me rephrase. I'm not a fan of the scrolling stages that go too fast. Big Blue is pretty notorious for that. Well, it's not... I mean, granted, I get it, but... It's not that fast, because the cars generally kind of stay in place, though. Yeah, although if you fall off the cars, you're pretty much done for. Yeah, but, you know, it's not too different from a bottomless pit. Yeah, that's fair, I suppose. Maybe a little less forgiving, but... It's less forgiving. Uh, Also, you were were mentioning uh, laziness. How many times can we bring Hyrule Temple from Melee back? 
Well, people like that stage because there's a lot of different things you can do with it. I actually saw, this is a little tangent, I saw a brawl video one time where a guy actually took a Meta Knight, this is back when they could fly, Yeah, was able to fly all around the bottom half of Hyrule Temple. Oh yeah, that's because Brawl was really floaty. Brawl was really floaty, also had flying, both Pit and Meta Knight could do it, I'm sure there were others. They, Charizard, I think. Charizard. They got rid of that in 4. Yeah. Which is nice, because it helps. There's also another thing, is that, you know, in Brawl they introduced Isle Delfino, well, specifically Delfino Plaza, as a stage, and it would kind of tour around as you fight, and you drop drop you off at different points. See, those are cool. I like those. Well, I feel like... Well, actually, Mute City is probably the first example of that, but... Yeah, Mute City... Uh, back in Melee? Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, there's too many of them now, I think. Well, you've got... Well, let's, let's go through. We had Mute City and Melee. And we have Port Town, which is basically the same thing. That's in Brawl. We also had the... Uh, Delfino Don- Plaza. The Donkey, the Donkey Kong one, whose name escapes me. Uh, in Brawl. No, that one. That one's just just an upscroll. That oh, was, that's right. You're right. No, we had Rainbow Road in the 3DS one, which was just like the F Zero ones. Mm-hmm. Now we have the Mario Kart one in Wii U, which not not the one from Brawl, the one introduced in Wii U. That was also like the F Zero ones. Then there's Skyloft. Um. Oh, Prism Tower. Yeah, Prism Tower also does that kind of thing. They're doing like too many of those. I think it's kind of just. Uh, well, also because for the 3DS version, what, what's the use in making a new stage when you can just take assets from other games that you already have? Well, that's laziness. It's laziness. It's also a time-saving and cost-saving measure. I know, but I don't like it. And I'm, I'm pointing that out as a gripe I have with the direction the stages have taken. Well, then file a complaint with your senator. Well, look, I'm just saying. I know, I know. I'm just... What I'm saying is, unless enough people complain about it, nothing's going to change. Anyway, back to the back to the game. Well, I mean, if if I could harp on this a little bit more, I've also noticed that the music in the fourth game, while good music, they they just they do a lot more port jobs here too. They just port songs directly. In some cases, they even butcher them a little bit because they shorten them intentionally to fit the two minutes that you'd normally have for a timed match. Yeah, because the default is timed match, two minutes, go, even though most people prefer to play stock matches. Yo. But, you know, I think that's kind of a holdout from Sakurai's, you know, preference for chaotic gameplay. It probably is. Although, when they do, some of the ones they pour over, they do keep the longer form. Like what? I'm trying to think of a specific example. Well, I know in one version of the Donkey Kong rap, they cut out one of the Kongs entirely. Yo, wow! I know in Engage the Enemy from Xenoblade, they make a very jarring cut from one part of the song to the next that I noticed, and I was just like, oh, that takes me out of it. Duh, there goes my immersion in this cartoony fighting game. Well, I'm just saying, like, if... I, I get it, though. There's some themes that just lend themselves naturally to that sort of thing. Like, I've listened to the Low Rule main theme from Wii U, which is weird. Land Between Worlds is on the 3DS. Why put Low Rule's theme on the Wii U version, but not the 3DS version? Well, that's because the 3DS version had only two songs per stage. Oh, point taken. They kind of took the melee approach with that. Yeah, fair enough. I do like, and I think they introduced this in Brawl... Oh no, no! This was Smash Four specifically. You can actually toggle what music's up, what music will appear. Oh yeah, they added that in the Wii U one as well. Yeah, they you can actually toggle what music you want to listen to on and each stage. You can also now do that on for the menu. You can toggle which menu theme you want. Oh, that's nice. So I think while we're talking about music, we're kind of at the end of the episode. So let's talk about today's favorite songs. We're gonna talk about 
different Smash Brothers songs we've liked to the kind of soft rule that I didn't really enforce, but it worked out just fine, is that we're going to pick songs that were remixed in Smash Brothers, nothing that was ported over. Right. So why don't you have the first shot? This one is a Smash 4 one, though it technically appeared in Brawl, but it was remixed there. Uh, The Dark World theme from Link to the Past. The one in Smash 4 also goes into the Dark World dungeon theme. Okay, is it the same remix, or is it a different remix of the same song? It's a different remix of the same song. For example, in the Brawl version, you had this really kind of weird acoustic version of the Dark World. In Smash 4, it's an orchestrated version that also goes into the Dark World dungeon theme. Yeah, because they do some kind of medleys with some of the songs. Yeah, and that's pretty nice. Uh, I mean, it's just a... That's always going to be one of my favorites because I love Link to the Past so much. But see it included here is really nice. And of course, the Wii U version has the World Rule main theme, which is yet another remix of the Dark World theme. Yeah, but that's a ported song. Fair enough. Any any other songs you'd pick? Uh, this is one is from Smash 64, the absolute original. It's called Planet Zebus, but I now know it is actually the Brinstar theme from the original Metroid. All right. And it is remixed. Yeah, the stage music from the Metroid level in the first Smash Brothers game. Yes, is actually the Brinstar theme from the original Metroid. Yeah, and it got remixed for the Brinstar stage in Melee. In me- yeah, and it was a, yet another remix for another me- Metroid level in Brawl. Right. I don't know if there's a new Brinstar mix in Smash 4, though. Hmm, I'd have to check. My favorite songs of the day, the first one is one that I... Very surprised I left out of the Subspace Emissary episode. It's Meta Knight's Revenge, very jazzy remix of the main themes of the Revenge of Meta Knight game from Kirby Superstar. It plays on the Halberd stage, and it played in a few moments in the Subspace Emissary that were relevant to Meta Knight and the Halberd. And like I said, it's very jazzy, and I think this was kind of one of my first moments where I realized I liked jazz. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the the B-movie joke goes here. I was going to say, more like jazz was introduced in the 1920s, you're just now realizing you like it. Well, I didn't listen to a lot of jazz before then. Okay, fair enough. But it's a good one, I like it a lot, and it it makes me nostalgic for Kirby Superstar sometimes. Oh yeah, that was my favorite mode in Kirby Superstar. Mine was actually the arena, but... And Flat Zone 2 is my next pick. It is the stage theme for Mr. Game & Watch's stage. So you don't gotta be loyal to my guy, Mr. Game & Watch. I'm pretty certain that is one of the ones that is not remixed because obviously Game & Watch games didn't really have music, per se. Oh, it's just a song that's made from a lot of sounds. A lot of the little Game & Watch sound effects with a little touch here and there, but it's really nice. I actually kind of like Flat Zone 1 more, if I'm entirely honest. It is uh, more of a straightforward song, I think. I just kind of like the style of this one more. Seems a bit more modern and more upbeat, actually. Kind of like Anamanaguchi, I suppose? The band that does all the chiptune music? I wouldn't say it's as upbeat as them, but more upbeat than the Melee Flat Zone music. So, that about does it for the Smash Brothers retrospective. At some point in the future, possibly the next episode, that depends on how I feel like spreading these out. We're going to talk about what we want to see in the next Smash Brothers game. Henry, is there any kind of relevant or pertinent advertisement you'd like to make? Buy a used car today. I'm the Axeman, and if you like the BitCast, you can listen to other episodes on the Podcast One website and iTunes. 
And if you subscribe, you can stick around and hear us talk about that promised Smash Brothers episode at one point. In the meantime, we will see you later. Listen to BitCast anytime on PodcastOne.com and on the Podcast One app.